In John 3.16, um, it sums it up. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I wonder if any of the young people or any of the children um, can tell me what they think is the most important ver- is word in that verse. Just shout it out if you can guess. You've heard this before, don't cheat. <laughs> yeah, go on. What? What's the most important word? Anybody? Love, maybe. Loved. Yeah. Oh, you cheats. <laughs> Anybody else? Anyone over here? Love, God. Do you know, I'll I tell you what, I'll make it really, really obvious. If I, I'll emphasize the word a little bit, see if you can notice it. It goes like this. If I was reading it, this is how I read it. It goes, for God... Love the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Can you guess what the word is now, everybody? Do you know, God so, so loves us that he put himself through agony so that we could experience the thrill of the race. Do you know, the, the most humbling thing that God could ever do was become what he created. He, could, he became a human. He came to this earth in the form of Jesus, lived a perfect life, and then he took the blame and the punishment, the guilt and the shame for all the stuff that we have done or we will ever do. And he took that blame, he took that punishment, and he paid the price on a cross, and he went through agony, and he did it for me and you. But praise God, that's not the end of the story, is it? Because three years later, not three years later, that would have been, three days later, Jesus rose again, didn't he? He got up and he said, you know what, I've done with it, I've done it, I've dealt with it, come and be my friend. I loved singing, I am a friend of God, because I was like, yes, sometimes your faith is so simple. And to just stand there and go, I am a friend of God, he calls me friend, it's incredible, isn't it? And you know, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've never said, I want to follow you, then I want to encourage you to say that because you, you can experience the thrill of the race as well. Do you know, the decision I made to follow Jesus has been the most incredible decision I've ever made in my life and I've never regretted it. It's an incredible journey. It's an incredible adventure following Jesus. And there's a guy in the Bible who knows very much about that. His name was Peter. And Peter was a Jewish boy. Um, he grew up as Simon and then later his name changed to Peter. And Jewish boys in those days, uh, they would grow up learning the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And if you were a Jewish boy, by the age of 12 or 13, you would be able to recite uh, and know the first five books of the Bible off by heart. Like, I, I hear that and I go, well, Genesis I could do, uh, Exodus I could have a go at, and then the next book is Leviticus, and it's like, whoa, that is heavy, man. And Jewish boys would know this, and at the age of about 12 or 13, um, they, people would decide whether they were good enough to carry on studying the, stru- uh, the scriptures, and they would, uh, be, uh, they would go on to study further scriptures, or if they weren't good enough, if they weren't clever enough, if they weren't holy enough, then they would be told to go and learn their father's trade. So if it was me, I would be told to go and be a plumber because my dad's a plumber. I don't know what your dad is, but Jewish boys would have been told to go and learn their father's trade. And when we meet Simon Peter in the Bible, um, we know that he's a fisherman. So we know that when he was age 12 or 13, um, he was told that he wasn't good enough to carry on studying the scriptures. He was told, go and learn your father's trade. And that's why he was a fisherman. 
Now, if you were good enough, uh, you would carry on studying the scriptures, um, and then eventually somebody uh, would decide again if you were the best of the best of the best, and uh, eventually a rabbi would say, this guy could take on what I'm doing, and you would become a rabbi's disciple. And that would be a massive privilege. That would be an amazing privilege for for a Jewish lad to grow up and become a rabbi's disciple. Now, Simon Peter was told he wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough to be a disciple. He'd never make it. He wasn't intelligent enough. And then one day, Jesus shows up, doesn't he? And Jesus comes and he says the words that a rabbi would say when he wants somebody to be their disciple. He turns to Simon Peter and he says, come and follow me. You know, Simon Peter had grown up going, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to follow anybody. And yet Jesus comes up and says, Come and follow me. I loved the opening ceremony of the Olympics on Friday. It was absolutely moving. And there was one moment where uh, Team GB were walking, walking through and the camera was there and loads of people were like cheering into the camera. Uh, and this one guy uh, comes to the camera and he goes, I am an Olympian. Yes. And I thought, go on, son. He was like, I don't care if I lose. I don't care if I'm rubbish. I am an Olympian. And I was like, yes, mate. I wish I was. And it... Uh, Do you know, if that was Peter, I reckon Peter was going around going, I am a disciple. I have been told to follow Jesus and I am so excited about it. I love that. Do you know, Jesus says, come and follow me. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter whether you think you're good enough. Jesus says, come and follow me. And Peter experiences some, uh, some massive Olympic-sized stories in the Bible. I'm sure you all know about the miracles that Jesus did. And uh, Jesus says this one thing during his time with Simon Peter. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And he says to Simon Peter, I'm going to build the church on you. You're going to lead the church movement. And Simon Peter's like, yes, come on. I am a disciple. This is going to be amazing. And then just before Jesus dies on a cross, the the disciples are gathered and and Peter's like, yes, do you know what, Jesus, you're amazing. I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth. You're you're amazing. I love you so much. Just nothing will come in between me and you. It's going to be amazing. And he's getting a bit enthusiastic. He's getting a bit keen. And Jesus says, do you know what, Peter? Before the cock crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, Jesus, you don't know what I'm ta- you talking about, which I think is quite brave to say to Jesus. But he's like, no, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And Peter, uh, Jesus is like, Peter, you will. And the story carries on. And, and Peter does. People come up to Peter. And they're like, oh, don't you know that Jesus fell? And he's like, no, no, never seen him, never met him. And Peter denies Jesus and he says, I don't want anything to do with him. And you know, you can read that and you think, man, Peter's messed it up. Peter's got it wrong. Peter's blown it. Like you would think, you know, if I was Peter, when Jesus rose from the dead, I'd be like, oh no, I'm in so much trouble. You know, you know, children, you know, you know, when you've done something wrong, like you've had the cookies that you weren't supposed to eat and then your parents come in, you're like, I'm in trouble. Like, when I was in trouble, my mum used to say, just wait till your dad gets home. And then you'd hear his car pull up and you'd be like, ah. Like, if I, if I was Peter, I would be scared. I would be so scared of meeting Jesus. Like, everyone would be like, oh, yeah, it's amazing that Jesus has risen from the dead. And if I was Peter, I'd be like hiding in the corner, just going, don't notice me. And the amazing thing is, is Jesus doesn't go up to Peter and wag his finger. He doesn't go up and go, come here, bad boy. Jesus asks him a simple question. He says, do you love me? 
You see, sometimes we think when we mess up, Jesus comes to us with a wagon finger to tell us off. All he wants to know is, do you love him? You see, when Peter um, says, yes, Lord, I do love you, Jesus says, feed my sheep. He says, yes, Lord, I do love you. He says, look after my sheep. And then this goes on and then it finishes with Jesus saying, come and follow me. You see, it doesn't matter how much we, we mess up when we follow Jesus. Jesus still says, come and follow me. And Peter, I love Peter's Olympic story. I love his Olympic size story. And uh, it goes on, Jesus ascends, he goes up to heaven on a cloud. And uh, the disciples are all together and they, they're frightened, they're scared. And Jesus promised this thing called the Holy Spirit that's going to help them. And they're all freaking out a little bit. And they're together in Acts 2, in a room, and they're praying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit moves uh, and there's incredible things happen. People start speaking in tongues. Um, loads and loads of people become Christians. People get healed. People speak in languages that they've never spoken before. Like It's this incredible, uh, amazing event. Do you know, I'm so pleased that they didn't just stop there. I'm so pleased that they didn't go, oh, that was a great event. Let's, let's go home. This week I've been at New Wine and uh, when, when you go to these uh, Christian conferences, when you're on team, often the, re- like the, the thank you for being on team is a mug. So like the, yesterday morning I was sat in the garden drinking tea from our New Wine team mug and I, we just suddenly had this thought, what if the disciples got mugs? Like, what if Jesus, just before he went up to heaven, just went, hey, boys, I just want to say thank you um, for what you've done this, this past three years. It's been amazing serving with you. Um, here's a mug. I'd just like to commemorate that. Just whenever you, you know, having communion, just, just drink out of it. Like, wouldn't it be great if they did archaeological digs and they found 12 mugs? <laughs> It'd just be amazing. And, you know, we've had this incredible time at New Wine this week, and the Holy Spirit has moved. The Holy Spirit's done incredible things. Um, we did this healing night on Monday night, uh, and Ian Holloway, uh, not Ian Holloway, that's a football manager, Adrian Holloway. <laughs> it had been amazing if Ian Holloway had spoke, though. That would have been great. Adrian Holloway uh, came and spoke, and he, and he did this um, healing thing. He just said to the young people, just put your hand on, on the part of your body that's not very well. Um, he said, put your hand wherever um, the illness is or the ailment, and we're going to pray. And we just pray, come Holy Spirit, come. We ask God to heal it. And uh, I spoke to one girl, and she came come and shared with me. And she had been suffering with alopecia. Alopecia is, is when your hair falls out. And she said she put her hand on her head and as she began to, began to pray, her hair grew instantly. It's incredible, isn't it? Let me tell you about Marcus. Marcus and his friend Peter, they were in our venue. They were in the 11 to 14s and they became Christians this week. They gave their lives to Jesus, which was incredible. And on Thursday afternoon, they went out for a little uh, outing with their family and they went up uh, onto this cliff and uh, Marcus and Peter were at the top of the cliff. They were taking pictures. They were really excited. And they decided to make their way down. And as they began to make their way down, Marcus lost his foot on a little bit. The gravel began to slip under his feet. And he tried to run to catch up with himself. And Marcus could, got to a point where he couldn't stop himself. And he ended up running off the edge of the cliff. And he fell 50 feet straight drop. I got a call at about 6 o'clock um, that evening to tell me what had gone on. I was like, you know, when time just stands still, I was like, this is awful. So we gathered the team together and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Then the young people came into the venue uh, and I said to the young people, look, there's a boy that's had an accident, he's in hospital. We need to pray because we believe in a God that heals. 
And the young people prayed. We all prayed. About 20 minutes after we prayed as a venue, I got a call off somebody saying, I'm calling to let you know that Marcus is awake, he's breathing, he's lost a tooth, and he's got some bumps and scrapes. That's incredible, isn't it? Do you know, the doctor said the boy must have had wings to survive that. To add even more incredible stuff to it, that morning in our venue, before any of this had happened, one of the team got up, and they shared a picture, and they said, God's given me a picture of somebody falling off a cliff and God catching them. It's incredible, isn't it? And do you know what? Those are Olympic-sized stories. But I don't want to stay in them. I want to see more stories. As we left, as we left New Wine uh, on Friday, uh, we were talking about the 358, the 358 days that you're not at New Wine. And I said to the young people, I will be heartbroken if you come back to New Wine next year and your last great story of what God did is New Wine this year. And I'm so pleased that the, that the disciples in Acts 2 didn't just sit there and go, oh, that was nice, that was amazing, let's drink out of our mugs. See, Acts 3, chapter, uh, Acts 3 verse 1 says, one day Peter and John went up to the temple to pray. And some of you might know the song, they met a lame man on the way, he asked for arms and held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say, I'm not going to go any further because I'm not a good singer. You see, sometimes we do sit in these stories, and I want to encourage you, don't sit in these stories. Celebrate the stories that God has done. But I I would love to challenge you to go out and seek your next Olympic-sized story. Go out and seek, what is God going to do this week? I'm excited. I'm desperate for God to do more this week, coming week, than he did last week. I want to walk down the street and God go, you go and pray for that person. I want to be on a bus and God give me a word for somebody. And wouldn't it be incredible if we went from this place and went out seeking Olympic-sized stories this week? And I want to challenge you, go out. If if you don't know about these Olympic-sized stories, read the book of Acts. It's just one story after another. And these are a bunch of normal um, blokes who went out and said, I want to serve Jesus. And I want to get involved with God's Olympic-sized story. Because that's the overall picture, isn't it? We're part of the big story. And I want to go and say, God, show me where you're moving so I can get involved. So this week, I want to challenge you to go out and seek an Olympic-sized story. And uh, to my left and to my right, uh, we've got an Olympic-sized contract for you to sign. There's no sign and bonus, so don't get excited. Um, But what I'd like you to do, we're going to sing uh, some worship together. And if you want to say, yes, God, I'm up for seeking Olympic-sized stories this week, then I want you to come and sign on here. There's pens at the, fl- at, at the feet of the uh, contracts. Come and sign and just say, yes, God, I'm up for seeking out Olympic-sized stories this week. So please come and do that whenever you're ready. Why don't we stand together? And I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much that you want to involve us in your story. God, I thank you so much that you loved us, that you gave an Olympic-sized story by dying for us on a cross and rising again. God, would you give us the boldness, would you give us the courage, would you give us the strength that we need to step out to seek your Olympic-sized stories for us? God, I pray that as we meet over the next six weeks that you would challenge us through this teaching series. God, and I pray that there will be some incredible, amazing stories to share with each other. Amen.